Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter. We're back in Exodus. I really did enjoy the episode yesterday, though. You should check that out on the podcast if you haven't had a chance. We looked at Psalm 74. It talks about Leviathan, right? And just like we were talking about with our guest, Pastor Kevin Parviz, how often do you get to talk about Leviathan when you're reading the Bible? There's only a few chapters, so check it out. We saw there's really cool connections to just about everything else in the Bible. Who knew Leviathan actually has such a central role in theology? Pretty cool stuff, Psalm 74. But today, yeah, we're back in Exodus looking at this escape from Egypt, this wilderness wandering. And, uh, you know, it feels, you know, like, hang on a second, what happened to my story time? It's a bunch of laws here, you know? So like, what happens if a man steals an ox or a sheep? And what happens if there's a fire? And, you know, it's uh, it's like, I don't know, something that you might find in an insurance document or something like that. So what's what's going on here? Is this just kind of legalese? Um, I always ask these leading questions whose answer is no. No, that's a good word for describing the correct answer to that question. Yeah, it, there's more than that. There's more than that. But without me giving it all away, let's introduce our guest for today. We've got Pastor Delwyn Campbell, pastor at St. John Evangelical uh, Lutheran Church and also at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Uh, is that right that they're both in Gary, Indiana? Welcome, brother. Uh, thank you. Yes, you're correct. Um, I'm one of our Mission Field USA missionaries. and uh, Okay. That's where I serve. Excellent. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, you want to take the opportunity just to give a little plug and describe for everybody what exactly that is that you do as a mission field missionary? Sure. Um, as one of our national missionaries, I'm deployed to Gary, Indiana, to, first of all, uh, strengthen the faith of the saints there, and uh, in addition to increase the presence of confessional and evangelical Christianity— uh, someone said to me when I first came that we are a Lutheran island in a Baptocostal sea, to which I replied, <laughs> that's great, because after a while, people get tired of drowning, and they want to come ashore. And so for four years now, yeah. we've been working on, uh, for one thing, bringing people back to confessional Christianity, and secondly, expanding uh, our territory by the help of yeah. the Lord, um, also just getting people familiar with confessional and evangelical Christianity. Because particularly, I guess it'd be fair to say, in many uh, urban communities, they just aren't that familiar with us. When, right. when they think of church, they have a particular picture in mind, and it's not liturgical, and it's not confessional. Um, so, you know, my job is as much to change that notion, and also to introduce people to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod um, and what we bring to the table. I know we don't generally think about it probably because most of us think of, you know, our worship in terms of our local congregation. If right. you're a pastor, you might go so far as to think of your uh, circuit or your region or maybe even your district. But when you really sit down and think about who we are, 6,000-plus churches from coast to coast, uh, the resources we bring to bear, the, 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 the uh, history we have, we can do things that your average, ordinary inner-city church can't do. 
Right. They just don't have the resources. We do. Um, and, you know, one of my goals and desires is to not just simply bring those resources to bear, but bring them to bear in such a way that the people of Gary, Indiana say, you know what? There are some people who name the name of Christ, and it's not just on Sunday. Uh, they don't just talk a good game, and they don't really come around playing politics. They're actually involved in ministry. Right now we have a school in Gary, Ascension, Ascension Lutheran Christian School, and it's getting ready to expand to fifth grade this year. Um, oh, all wow. of that is awesome. part of what Mission Field USA does on the ground. Mm-hmm. And we yeah, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, you know, thank you for you know, giving that kind of big picture uh, overview of, of what you're up to. Uh, I'm going to I'm right. gonna borrow some of those terms there. I love that. Uh, what, what, what was that one? I uh, think you think you said uh, uh, pentabaptism or was it bapticostalism? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's 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 yeah. perfect. Yeah. And. Um, and of course, that that message or that metaphor of you know just there being a, a sea, a chaotic sea, right? That's uh, that fits well with this Exodus theme, right? We're kind of Moses Lutherans pulled up out of the water, you you might say. Uh, yeah, and um, and today, then you know, it's interesting then when you consider uh, all these laws from a Lutheran perspective, right? Maintaining our balance of of law and gospel, and looking at these laws. Um, you know, seeing them as uh, not just a bunch of rules um, that you're supposed to follow and, okay, everything else is fair game, but um, something that, that speaks to us that God is using to shape us and something that um, actually is intimately tied up in the gospel as well in the midst of all this. Amen. You know, I just want to say one more thing about what I do, and then let's dig into this text. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for those 6,000 congregations and the myriads of people that make up those congregations. And I just want to, you know, shout out to all of my brothers and sisters out there in every congregation, inner city, rural, suburban, wherever you are. Thank you for your support and your service to both national and international mission. But especially a- a- national. Amen. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, national for now. One thing at a time. Uh, very, very good, very good. All right. Well, thanks, brother. That's just, uh, you know, it's always nice to kind of get a little bit of a connection of, you know, what we're up to, uh, all the good stuff that's going on. But yeah, let's go ahead then. And without any further ado, as you were saying, turn to the text. If you would, please uh, open us up with a prayer as we get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You have given us your word to equip us, Lord, for all learning. And grant that we today would so hear it, read it, mark it, learn it, and take it to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we might embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let's go ahead then and turn to the text here. Uh, so Exodus chapter 22. Yeah. Any Anything else that we, we kind of talked about a little bit, um, but anything else we ought to really be keeping in mind before we go ahead and just give this a straight read through? Well, I think one thing above all to keep in mind is that these, raw, these laws were not yep. of human invention. 
that a group of people after they got out of Egypt didn't sit down and say, okay, well, we're not slaves anymore. We got to, we're a nation now. We got to come up with some laws. You know, no, this was given to them as a gift. God wrapped it up in a bow, hands this to Moses and says, give this to my people. And yes, they are my people, my special treasure. Says that in Exodus 21. And everything mm-hmm. that flows in this flows from the hand of a God that gives it to them as a gift. And when you compare that, that with the struggles that nations tend to have, even that, that yeah. we experience today with regard to our legal system and how to make yeah. it work and how to make it fair and just and all these yeah. things, they were given a full package. That's, that's right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. I mean, taking us back to the, the Ten Commandments themselves, right? That, um, you know, the yeah. Ten Commandments, again, they, they start off with, with gospel, that, you know, God has done these things among the nations for his chosen people, his treasured possession, right? So everything that follows all these, all these you know, so-called laws um, are, are really just the unfolding of that act of grace on his part. So getting us back to the, and and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk more about how these things connect to the 10 commandments. Cause in particular um, they seem to be elaborations on a few of the commandments, but without any further ado, yeah, let's go ahead and just give the thing a read through then Exodus chapter 22 here from the top beginning at verse one. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another, man, another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he who started the fire shall make full restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe and it's stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it's for an ox or a donkey or a sheep or a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing of which one says, this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep it safe, and it dies or is injured or driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it's stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it's torn by beasts, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what's been torn." If a man borrows anything of his neighbor and it's injured or and it's injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall not he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came for a tiring fee. 
If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a moneylender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is only his only covering, and it's his cloak for his body, and in what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep seven days. It shall be with its mother. On the eighth you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Amen. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff to look at today. Um, It'll be interesting to see what questions might be coming in. You know, uh, for me, as we were reading through this, I was thinking about, you know, um, what happens if you, you know, ask your neighbor to take care of your animal and then the animal dies while you're gone. I was reminded of this time on Vicarage where my Vicarage supervisor asked me to look after his bird. And uh, and the bird was not alive when he returned. It wasn't my fault, though. <laughs> but but see, this is the this is the sort of thing, right? It's um maybe this thing yeah. is kind of uncommon in our in our modern situation. But all this stuff was these were all like super common situations, right? This is this kind of stuff that happened all the time. And so God's got to weigh in on the common uh, everyday happenings of life here um, that you see uh, just kind of. Uh, depicted in Exodus 22. Yeah, and and again, for the context of this, think this is a people who have been enslaved for 400 years. They have not had the ability to legislate, to to govern. Their their life was in the hands of another. 400 years, generation after generation after generation, and now... In the space of a night, that has changed, completely changed. The only thing they know is that they're going somewhere. This guy Moses is going to lead them there, and God is leading Moses, and he he does amazing things, but they still don't know. First of all, they don't even know how long this God is going to be with them or where Mm -hmm. he's taking them. Or how is this all going to work out? So when God gives them these laws, that gives them a measure. Uh, that gives them a foundation of security. They, they've got yeah, no, that, that's right. That, like, you got to think about that. Like, it's a scary situation, like you were saying, just overnight, all of a sudden, we've gone from a system of laws and a government and a structure to um, here we are in the wilderness. Hope it works out okay. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, without without laws, it's uh, it's anarchy, which is a 
which is a scary situation. So I, yeah. I totally like your your emphasis there that you know God giving them laws. This is uh, this is a good thing. This is God putting a life preserver on them. This is God um, putting some bumpers down the bowling alley here. This this is God helping yep. to to patch things up and keep things afloat. I mean, this isn't seen as burdensome here. This is like oh good. I have some protection against theft now. I have some recourse <laughs> against things, right? Yeah. I mean, like having recourse, have, having defense, um, having some kind of security. I mean, this this is all, I mean, it's good news to be getting all this from Moses. Yeah. I mean, just think about it this way. Not only does he give them these words, but it, he, he tells Moses to write this stuff down. Mm-hmm. So right. there's something that, that, that's tangible. Yeah. You know, it's it's like what we say about the sacraments. It's a tangible yeah. thing connected to God's promise. They can right. see and interact with it. Uh, but not only that, because it is it's solid and nailed down. I remember a story that James Dobson used to tell yeah. uh, of a situation at a school where, for whatever the reason was, I can't remember now the details of it, but the fences around the school were removed. And so when the children would go out for recess, they would all huddle in the middle of the field hmm. because they didn't yeah. know where the boundaries were. They would just cluster oh. together, and they wouldn't run around or do anything. Yeah. And they finally got the fence built back up, and once the fence was built, them kids ran all over the place because now they knew where their safety boundaries were. And that's yeah. what this does. When, when you, that, when yeah, you consider— a... I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great illustration of it, how just you need, you need boundaries, right. To, to have, uh, I mean, to have fun (laughs) in the case of children, right. To, to, to have enjoyment, to have safety, you know, I mean, it's, uh, course you know like as as a young uh you know as a father of some young children here myself you know it's interesting to see my daughters going through those different phases where they're testing boundaries right and uh you know it, it's tempting or i suppose we have an impulse sometimes you know a sinful impulse to get frustrated and to say hey why are you you know pressing my buttons or pushing the boundaries here right you know because that's that's how we might react towards an adult but that's not what they're doing they're just i mean it's their way of saying hey daddy like give me some rules here Right, so I can feel safe. Mm-hmm. Tell tell me how far is too mm-hmm. far, so I can feel good about things. And, and and here's another thing. Now this is all about property. I mean, a whole chapter about property, pretty much. But it's not only about property. It's actually about people. How yeah. people treat one another with regard to property. Because again, right. four hundred years of slavery means they didn't own anything. Whatever they had, they got that from their overlords. And just as the overlord gives, the overlord can take away. You didn't Mm -hmm. even have a say-so over your kids. Pharaoh said, kill the male children, and you expected to kill them, as if they were a bug. In fact, the only reason we get Moses is because, you know, the, 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 the maidens broke the law. Right. They, they just Civil said they, were gonna, they just couldn't do that one. We, mm-hmm. we, I'm sorry, we're just going to sneak this baby. We ain't killing us. But by the law of, of Egypt, if it's a boy, you kill it. In fact, we, we had something similar to that in modern times in China, in the People's Republic of oh, China. Yeah. They didn't right. want girls. 
Mm-hmm. And if a girl was born, they, they were ordered by the government, kill the girl. Now, you know, of course, law of unintended consequences, they ran right. short of females. And when you got a bunch of men that don't have a bunch of women to marry, you've got problems. Right. Yeah, and no, certainly. Yeah, and, and, but these are, these are the sort of things that God in his wisdom and his mercy he lays all this out. So we get at the top of it, the first verse, and he's talking about, you know, someone stealing something. All right? right. Now, if it was just between you and me and I stole something from you and it was, you know, you could do whatever you want to do, you might kill me. Right. You I mean, know? not me personally, you know, might. but just just one might. <laughs> yeah, you know? But this says, okay, if I steal your ox your sheep, like, this is what happens. Right. And here's another way. It's it's good and meat and salutary. Nowadays, right. you go to court. You let's say you're 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 captured uh, and you're tried for a felony. You don't have the foggiest idea what they're going to do to you until right, the judge you know. declares the sentence. It could be right. anything under the sun. But not only that, you go through this whole process where the prosecutor says, well, you know what, uh, if you plead down to this, I'll do that, because after all, you know, I've got you dead to rights. Now, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But one thing he does have, he's got the power of the state behind him, and you've got right. nothing. And so you yeah, know hey, okay, please. I, I was going to yeah. say, that, that's, a re- that's, a really, that's a really good point. And like, uh, well, you know, it's, it's a good political point as any also, because isn't it interesting how when you have too many laws, it's kind of similar to having no laws at all, where you just don't know yeah. what's going to happen. You know, it's like, I don't, I can't tell you what the law is, um, but yeah. I, I will uh, resist the, uh, re- resist the temptation to pull out my, my political soapbox there. Um, <laughs> kind of like what you were saying at the beginning of the hour. But I mean, it's a good point, right? That we can kind of appreciate this where, you know, it's just our, our fate is not in our own hands where it's, it's out of control and like what, what's going to happen to me. And so um, having this this process here, um, it, it puts limits on vengeance, right? You can't just kill the person. You can't just say, I'm going to take all of your stuff now. No, there's a limit. Um, you, you, you get you get you get fourfold back or fivefold back. Right. You know, five oxen for an ox or four four sheep for a sheep. There's a there's a limit there. And of course, you know, yeah. you look at those limits and you're like, well, hang on, why isn't it just like one for one or something like that? And I, I would have to suppose that this is because it's um it's meant as a oh, what's the term as a deterrent that I mean you, yeah, you would imagine is. you would imagine that like theft of an animal would be pretty common because hey, guess what? All the animals sort of look alike. Um, they, they are on legs. <laughs> so this is probably a very common kind of theft, and that's why this the prices are probably steeper here. Mm-hmm. I, mean, it's, I like what you said that it's a deterrent because okay, let's say maybe I'm just I'm hungry. Yeah. I ain't got no food. I gotta feed my folk. Okay, I steal your sheep. Okay, now if I get caught, this is what I'm gonna pay. Now it even goes further, and uh, in the in the text, if you don't have the revenue, then you're gonna work it off. But yep. you know exactly what you're working off, how much it is, you know the value of it, and so you know your time that you're going to do. Right. Again, all of this is is God's mercy to us. Yeah, and amen. It's, it's, it's God protecting us. 
Yeah. Now, unfortunately, old Adam doesn't like to see it that way. You know, but in reality, whether we recognize it or not, God has blessed us with order and structure because he's not a God of chaos. He's not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. And we'll want to talk about the different uses of the law, but you're just illustrating how, like, the, the curb, the first use of the law, really really is a gift, and that's what we're seeing here. But uh, we'll talk about that as soon as we get back. Uh, take our break here, but everybody hang on. Looking at Exodus 22 here on Nice Strong Word. Be right back. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the deadly quality of life ethic with Wesley Smith, and we'll talk with Kristen Day about keeping the Hyde Amendment in the Democratic Party platform. Wednesday, it's our series, The Words of Scripture. Pastor Will Whedon will discuss the word priest in the Bible. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in, you'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. Looking at Exodus chapter 22 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Delwyn Campbell, pastor at St. John Evangelical and also at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gary, Indiana, rescuing people from the seas of pentabaptism. No, baptopen. I can't. What was it? <laughs> Bapticostalism. Yeah, there you go, Bapticostalism. I like. <laughs> no, not to disparage our, our, our brothers and sisters in the faith, of course, but um, but right, just just uh, you know, there's a lot of confusion, and, and sometimes it's you're like, hey, where does one denomination begin and where does the other end? And uh, it's sometimes very helpful to have have some voices that can kind of spell this out, have some teaching to kind of sort things um, into the right places, and that's what we're looking at here in Exodus 22, seeing that, hey, you know what, this isn't just a bunch of uh, rules. And obligations. Uh, this is this is protection. This is uh, you know this is where rules are kind of like that that fence that that makes you feel secure, makes you feel safe. So uh, helping us to understand 
this today. Uh, our, our good guest here, Pastor Campbell, if you've got a question for him or for myself, you can give us a call. If you've got a comment or a question, 1-800-730-2727. Also, if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Any questions or comments? Also, we want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support. Their website, lhfmissions.org. Um, so we were just talking about this, how, you know, you can really look at this as kind of like a, in a sense, like a first use of the law of just, hey, you know what? There's there's no there's no order here. We just kind of came out into the wilderness. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of like, you know, month three of COVID or something like that, right? You know, they're, they're kind of like, okay. Our, our, our uh, patience has, has dwindled. Our, our tempers are flaring up now at this point. <laughs> we, we need some rules that this is going to be the new normal, Moses. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, now the first half of this, I guess you could call it half, uh, dealt with property pretty strong. Right. And uh, um, in the midst of it, of course, there was this one thing about the thief that you read about. If the thief breaks in, and you kill him. Yeah. There's no blood guilt, except if the sun rises on him. Now, yeah. I see that as the Lord recognizes the difference between what happens at night when there's chaos and confusion, and your your goal is just to protect what you're guarding. Yeah. And in the daytime, when you've got the ability to either threaten, warn him off, you know, you can say, hey, I know who you are, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and so because of that, if there's the possibility of not killing. That's right. You don't kill. Mm-hmm. In fact, God is pretty strict when it comes to, to killing folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, uh, Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man shall Man, by man shall his blood be shed. Uh, right. Otherwise, basically, there's basically three things that get you killed under God's law. Murder, you shedding someone's blood. Idolatry. And disrespecting the fundamental creative order. Right, right. That's, a, that's a good way of summarizing it. Uh, for for whether it's uh, adultery or you know um, just hu- yeah. humanity versus the rest of the created order, right? right. Yeah, that's that's a good. One. I mean, like it, it's really those those real. I mean, and, and kind of in a, in a sense, kind of all of those, right, are just high crimes against the created order, right? Where where man says mm-hmm. this is God's order, but I'm going to totally try to turn it upside down. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, in essence, God allows death of a thief who breaks in. At night, mm-hmm. because that is kind of out of your control how that's going to play out. He may right. end up dying, he may not. You know, he's trying to do his thing. You're trying to stop him from doing his thing. Things can go wrong. But right. nobody's going to be held guilty for that. But when we go a little further into the text, and we get to verse 18. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. This is different. Yeah. Yeah, this no. That, that, 
Good. Well, I was going to say that, the, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a good distinction here, right? Because, you know, at the beginning, we're, we're kind of trying to sort things out. God's providing some safety, some structure, right? And as soon as you have some kind of semblance of safety, right, and some kind of structure, we got rules, now, now we're kind of coming back and um, kind of, you know, hedging things in on the other side and saying, no, no, hang on, okay— this doesn't mean that we're just, you know, you get to just shoot everyone who looks like a thief. Um, you, you have to, you know, have some uh, kind of give and take on the other side of that, too. So, you know, God's kind of like, you know, preparing and fixing up this fence around that field, like you were kind of describing in that metaphor. But, but, but then you got some stuff that's just, okay, but this is just, you know, categorically out of bounds, right? Like, this, this, is, this isn't about, like— um, necessarily i'm trying to like make sure that everyone is safe and you all kind of like can play by the rules this is like you were saying in verse 18 you get down to like those rules and it's just this is just out this is not for my people at all exactly you you've now stepped outside of the creative and preservative order of god a right. sorceress is somebody that deliberately seeks to bring in another power mm-hmm. and present that other power as worthy of submission to. Right. So this is not like the good witch on Hallmark or Samantha <laughs> Stevens. No, no. Yeah. This, is, this is demonic powers that have been brought to bear against God's promises and God's provision and God's protection. And the sorceress says, in essence, submit to this mm-hmm. and you'll be blessed. Well, and God says yeah. that is unacceptable. Well, right, and so and, and so in that way, right? I mean, it is um, a high crime against the very first commandment about who is God and who is who is not, right? So, I mean, yeah, of course, it is it is very serious. Interesting thing, though, right? It says you shall not permit a sorceress to live, though. See, because like it could have said like you shall not permit sorcery to be practiced, or you shall not permit any sorcerer or sorceress to live. Um, but it's particular here. Why do you suppose that might be? Well, I think back to Genesis 3, what God said to Eve, specifically that he shall rule over you. But right. before he said that, he said, you, your desire shall be, some translators say toward him, others say against him. The implication is something has awakened in that incident. Whereas before they were one flesh, they were of one mind, a division has occurred, and competition enters in, a competition for power and and domination. And one commentator says that the reason why it it picks the feminine rather than the masculine is that women are more inclined into this area, sorcery, than are Mm. men. Now, it makes a I lot of. I'm gonna say that just makes a lot of sense. Like you think about, um, you know, just even even today, you think of like just if you just kind of picture in your head, if I just say palm reader, fortune teller, mm-hmm. most people mm-hmm. will probably think of a woman in that role. Yeah, and those kind of, if you will, uh, I don't want to say jobs, uh, careers, but those kind of things all involve the use of power by the hand of the demonic. Mm-hmm. Men, by and large, when we want to exercise power, we sort of reach within ourselves. 
Right. You know, you know, uh, only the strong survive. Might makes right. You know, God is on the side of the biggest battalions. That's how men tend to think. Right. Yeah. So, no, that makes yeah. that makes sense. Like that. You know. I mean, it's so. It's not to say like, hey, women are more sinful, or you know, only only a woman would do something as terrible as this, right? But but no, it's just um, both men and women. We both have the same sinful nature. Um, you know, that we have inherited, and that sinful nature is about seizing power that's not our own. And it's just like you're saying, uh, men in this time, if they wanted to seize power that was not their own, they they pick up their swords, they pick up their axe, and they, they go out and they just take stuff, right? Um, yeah. But that a lot of women then, if they wanted to do this, would have taken this other approach, um, this approach mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been through uh, violence or, you know, how, how strong or how powerful can they be when they're wielding a you know, big, heavy, you know, uh, you know, implement of destruction right. here. But but how can they use cunning um, to do this? I, I think that's a really that's a really insightful point into this situation. I think also, though, it's interesting, isn't it, that this this command here, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Um, it comes right after and right before commands about um, sexuality, right? Whoever seduces a virgin, yeah. right? In verse 16 and yeah. 17 there. And then in verse 19 there, whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. So you've got sex on either side of it. And so I've got to imagine, too, that this is part of the picture, that when we when we say sorceress here, we're not just saying uh, a fortune teller who's got like a deck of cards, but that there's something sexual in nature about this. And yeah. that, that makes sense, too, in that in that culture, how, you know, when you think about what magic was and what sorcery was, right, you're, you're trying to manipulate the elements on earth um, in order to manipulate the gods. And so, you know, what might you do if you want your field to be more fertile? Well, we're going to reenact some kind of fertility magic, yep. right? So yeah, it, I, I, I think right. that that's kind of the reading between the lines what's going on here. I agree with you, too. And, and you know what? Bringing up that verse uh, 16 and 17, glad you brought that up because uh, it's interesting when I was reading that, and uh, I also read up uh, up in chapter 21 about uh, slaves and when a person becomes a servant, serves for seven years, if his master gives him a wife, um, there were rules about marriage. God gives them rules and structure, so you can't just take advantage of people. Uh, right. One of the and it's not true, but but people say this, feminists say this when they talk about patriarchy and mm. in, in essence that that marriage is this way that men control women. Well, mm. here's the thing in this verse here: if a man does something that that uh, he basically brings this woman under his control, he seduces her. Right. He doesn't get to just do that and walk away. No. It's it's as if he had done everything the right way, but since he put the cart before the horse, now he's got no way out of it. Now, if if he'd have done things the right way, if he'd have approached the father and said, hey, I'd like to, you know, take your daughter out and let's get to know each other, you know, he could have dated her. They could have found out that they don't have anything in common. They could have went their separate ways, no harm, no foul. But no, you want to get, as the old saying goes, you want to get the milk without owning the cow. Doesn't work <laughs> that way. 
I I'm not sure I've heard that one before, but I, I that makes sense. Oh, well, that's well, that's but that's that's a good one though. That's a good that's a good one though. Yeah, well, I mean, I I feel like it's like a kind of I think the one that I might use is like try to have your cake and eat it too. But I think yours makes really? more sense. Cause I've never understood the cake one. Um, but but yeah, no, I I think that's interesting. And also, I mean, I think it's on both sides here on on sixteen and seventeen. That on the one hand. Um, yeah, you can't just, you know, seduce this, this poor woman. And, and then, I mean, because I mean, the thing is, you got to think about this again in the context. Um, if, if this man seduces, especially if she is actually a virgin, right? Um, and then, like, he doesn't make her his, his, uh, his wife, that's really hurting the woman. Because now, right, um, she's in this position where, okay, I, I'm not a virgin anymore. And that's going to be, uh, I mean, that's a stigma, right? in that society yep. and so now who's going to marry her and if she doesn't get married this is going to be problematic for how she's going to be taken care of um what kind of life yeah. she's going to be able to enjoy so i mean this is this is really bad a bad situation for the woman so this is protection for the woman and then in verse 17 it's further protection for the woman right because the father now is allowed to actually exercise discretion and say hey look this is a terrible terrible man who has done this um, it's not like he just gets to do this and he automatically gets to claim her um, as his wife, right? Because that, that could open up uh, women to all kinds of problems, too. And so the father is actually given um, a way of refusing this marriage and to help the father continue to provide for the woman, um, they get this monetary compensation, right? Because, I mean, th again, mm -hmm. marriage and providing for the woman are, are tightly connected in this society. So... Um, I think God's protecting the woman on both sides here. Yes, because the bride price, it can work two ways. On the one hand, here's something that the guy pays in order to transfer her from the father's protection to his protection. But it also can be uh, the other word for it, dowry. Yeah. It's what the woman offers. It's part of her valuation. Now, if mm -hmm. she, because of this event, has now lost value, right. well, now she has with her yeah, the true. monetary level of that value. So a yeah, person true. who otherwise maybe wouldn't have married her, now he gets compensated for the loss of her virginity. Uh, that's right. Well, yeah, you know, and that and that's uh, I appreciate you breaking it down into like the kind of economic terms, not not because, you know, we're like we're saying that like oh, a woman is worth this much money or something like that, but just again for for that culture, right? God wants to make sure that women are taken care of and that this woman's going to yeah. be able to even if something terrible happens to her, that she's going to be able to uh, Lord willing, you know, have uh, a marriage and a family and and to have all these good things. And so these are all ways of trying to protect women from being exploited mm -hmm. and put in these really terrible situations. So uh, I mean, I, I think I think you see it kind of again and again, um, these sorts of protections. And so in, in that way, I mean, I kind of feel like verses 16 and 17 kind of belong with um, with, with the previous and that they're protections, right? They're protections um, so that yeah. your, your, your animals aren't being stolen, um, you know, uh, your, your neighbors aren't, aren't you know, having your, your field get trampled and eaten up by, um, you know, some wandering animals. I mean, there, there's all these protections for your stuff. And so here's protections um, for women. But then, but then there is this, this corner that's rounded, right, with verse 18 where it's like, okay— this is just stuff that we're we're just not gonna we're just not gonna do as God's people. 
the protection level is such that the person doing this cannot be allowed to remain. Right. There, there is no way to allow to remain. And the next verse, verse 19, goes right along with it, as does verse 20. Whoever lies with an animal. Now, we know that, uh, oh, well, no, it's summertime now, so let me phrase this carefully. Ah. <laughs> uh, God has a purpose for physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is procreative. Yes, it is a gift. It is to be enjoyed in the context of that procreative union. And so a person who takes what God created to be enjoyed in that right context, and he does it with an animal. Right. That's not the animal's purpose. The animal is not there to serve as your dump truck. The animal is not there just to be your plaything. He has a role to play in your life. It's not that. And if you do that, right? Oh gosh, there's so many doors that get opened with that. Well, well, you know, and there's that's that's um, yeah. I I, pre- I appreciate you trying to you know be sensitive to. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is a uh, this is why I tell people, guys, you know, be careful. You read the Bible. The Bible's rated R. Um, <laughs> the, the Bible and the, and the whole thing. I mean, it's just telling you life like it really is. It's, this isn't just kind of you know life kind of like idealized and kind of you know pretend land or something. No, I mean, God gets into the details here because He's come to save us from all of the the gore and the destruction and the perversity of sin. And so, um, so here we are getting into it here and so like you were saying um this on the one hand shows respect for the animal and actually offers protection for the animals that against against their mistreatment that they would not just be reduced um to just a you know an object but that they are hey they're they're living things right they they share the breath of life god also made them um from the the dust of the earth right so i mean valuing the animals and actually offering protection for the animals on the one hand right um, but then I think also there's this other, um, and, and, and when you were saying this, I mean, this was really interesting. So I'm not sure I had made this connection here, but someone, someone might say, Hey, back, back on the, the sorceress uh, stuff, right? Hang on a second. That's not fair to say that you can't have, um, sorceresses in your society because, you know, Hey, there are some women who are in really de- like desperate situations, right? They don't have any way else to make money. You know, it's that or homelessness and starvation, right? So it's like you can't, you, you know, some women are forced into this situation. It's a very regrettable thing, but you shouldn't be like prosecuting the women. You should be prosecuting the Johns, right? And so I'm kind of alluding to, you know, ah, contemporary yeah, situations yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, right? Uh-huh. So some people might say that about uh-huh. verse 18, but I, I think this is the logical connection that you were helping me to see here. If God in verses 16 and 17 and all the rest is is through his grace putting these laws establishing this order right so that women are taken care of um w- women cannot just be taken advantage of and then the man has no obligation um, a man cannot just claim any woman he wants by just you know knocking over the uh, the head with a club and taking her off to his cave like that, that doesn't work that doesn't work in this society um, god's setting up these rules and hey look because god has set up these rules to protect women Women should not be in a situation where they have to do this sorcery to stay alive and to make a living. Um, God has That's just right. removed that excuse. He has said, look, I'm not going to let women get into that desperate position to begin with. 
And I mean, I mean, that is, I think, just so instructive for us because, I mean, what, what you know, people in the spirit of political correctness, not that I'm saying that all political correctness is bad because um, some of it has a place in just in terms of civil discussion, but um, in kind of that kind of overzealous political correctness spirit, some people will just say like, hang on a second now. Uh, you know, like you, you can't be, yeah, you, you can't be making these generalizations, but the, if we're just honest, people who, uh, women who wind up in those sorts of, you know, like you were kind of saying, professions kind of with, with quotes, um, it, it's, they, they get into it because of desperation. They get into it because they don't feel like there's any other options for them. And okay, there are some, you know, very peculiar exceptions, but by and large, it's, they get forced into it unwillingly. Um, and it's not what they want to do. And so I think that this is really important for us to be recognizing that, you know, that when we as a society then come along and say like, hey, um, you know, like, oh, this is great. We should celebrate that. Like, well, what what are we celebrating? What evil um, in their own lives are we now like saying, trying to tell them is actually a good thing? Or conversely, when we when we judge and we say like, hey, who are they to do this? But if we're not protecting women, what do we expect? Yeah. Um, I, I read uh, someone's biography once, and it was a lady that had been in that lifestyle. Yeah. And it wasn't because she was fit, that she was financially in trouble. It was because her psyche had been so beaten down yeah. by things she had gone through in life. Yeah. She had been so depersonalized that she reached the point where she could become a fetish. Yeah. She could be treated like that animal. And that's the other thing I was going to come to. The person that does this, he objectifies things. Everything yeah. gets turned into what makes me feel good. And so when right. he does approach a woman, he doesn't approach her as the gift that God made that he was to enjoy to the praise of his glorious grace. He that's approaches true. her as an object. That, that's a really good point. Like, and I tell you, and well, it's you know, sad. It's just, yeah. it's just sad that for so many young men today, you know, the culture has, has worked on them in such a way and worked on our young ladies in such a way that they see themselves primarily in terms of their physical attractiveness. The men see them primarily in terms of something to conquer, a notch on right. their belt. And so then when they do decide that they want to make one woman his wife, he finds that, well, he wants to settle down. Even then, he still doesn't completely let go of the whole objectification thing. He wants to make her his wife because he wants to, he wants to own this one. This is the car he wants to keep, as opposed to just borrow. And and those are those are those are well spoken words of law that are that are condemning because we've we've sinned as a society so greatly. God have mercy. It's it's uh yeah. And I just you know I I mean just even thinking of of uh myself as a as a man just thinking about the ways that I have fallen short here. I mean you're you're so right though that any kind of objectification, any kind of objectification, you, you got to look at this in the big picture. That is turning the the male mind then into an objectifying one, and it's not like a man's going to objectify all these things in life, um, and and then all of a sudden when it comes to his one committed relationship, that woman he's going to treat differently with respect. Um, no, um, if you if you're going to go and objectify everything else, uh, then yeah, the, the the women even his own wife are also going to be objectified. So I think that's actually really brilliant that. 
um, by God saying, hey, you can't do this to animals. I mean, this is also actually protecting women because it's saying, men, you cannot just let your desire um, just have what it will. You've got to put limits on this. You cannot be treating your desire like it's just something that you get to do whatever you want with yeah. because if that's the way you, you act and behave, this is going to end up hurting a lot of women and destroy a lot of lives. I remember uh, in the New Testament, uh, Paul writes about a certain people. He says, whose God is their belly. Yeah. Whose end is destruction. And what that means, it's people who their their desires lead them by the nose. Right. Their desires yeah. control them. That's their right. passions control them. And it's not just in the areas of, of sex. It's in so many areas that as, as we speak today, as we sit here talking on this radio show, there right. are people who are so led by their passions that they objectify everything that does not look like them or sound like them or express things the way they express it. If you're not on their side 100%, you're an object to be crushed. That, that's, so, that's so true. That's so true. And, and you're really connecting, I think, the dots between the first part and the second part of the chapter here. Because, I mean, like, like you were saying, if you are animated by your passions, if it's just, I, I take what I, what I see, I see what I take, you know, it's just what, whatever I want. Well, that attitude that, that creates theft um, is also the same attitude that, that takes advantage and does terrible things to women, right? So like on both sides, God's saying, hey, look, I'm protecting my people. I'm not going to let this spirit of, of greed, of this, this consumptive urge, I'm not going to let this destroy my people. I'm going to protect them from this. And that's what you get in the last verse today in verse uh, 31. You shall be consecrated to me, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. about God making sure that his people are not torn up by the beasts of the field. In fact, not only that, you don't even get to treat strangers that way. Verse right. 21, you can't do it to a sojourner because you that's were right. sojourner. You that's were objectified right. in Egypt. Don't objectify anybody else. And, and yeah. this from law to gospel, I look at it like this. If we look at everybody around us as someone for whom Christ died, you cannot objectify what God has glorified. A Amen, brother. I'm going to let that speak for itself as the conclusion today. Thank you so much. Really good conversation with you. Looking forward to having you on again really soon. I look forward to it too, man. This is fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Pastor Delwyn Campbell at St. John Evangelical and Good Shepherd in Gary, Indiana. Moving on to Chapter 23. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.